Friday, June 26th, and today's gospel comes from the gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion approached him and appealed to him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, suffering dreadfully. He said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion said in reply, Lord, I am not worthy to have you enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man subject to authority, with soldiers subject to me. And I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come here, and he comes, and to my slave, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed, and said to those following him, Amen, I say to you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I say to you, Many will come from the east and the west, and will recline with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the banquet in the kingdom of heaven. But the church, but the children of the kingdom will be driven out into the outer darkness, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, You may go as you have believed. Let it be done for you. And at that very hour his servant was healed. Jesus entered the house of Peter, and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, the fever left her, and she rose and waited on him. When it was evening, they brought him many who were possessed by demons, and he drove out the spirits by a word and cured all the sick to fulfill what had been said by Isaiah the prophet. He took away our infirmities and bore our diseases. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we continue to read about the miraculous healings Jesus performed, which we started with the leper yesterday. We have a very interesting pair of healings today, one of a Gentile and one of a Jew. Let's take a closer look at the first. The Gentile in question is a servant of a Roman centurion. Centurions were military officers in charge of 100, uh, 100 soldiers. In other words, he is one of the Roman occupiers who was tasked with keeping the peace in Israel after it was conquered by the Romans. As we read in the story of Pontius Pilate, there was a considerable amount of unrest among the Jews, many of whom wished to overthrow Roman rule and regain political independence. In fact, many associated the coming of the Messiah with someone who would help Israel to become a world power as they had been under the rule of Kings David and Solomon. By this healing, Jesus demonstrates that he is not here to establish a political realm. He has not come to make Israel a great military kingdom as it once was. The reality is that no earthly empire lasts forever. Many great people have tried to conquer the world and failed. Rather, he has come to establish a new kind of kingdom which will last for eternity. In the West, Politics has become an increasingly tricky arena for Catholics, especially Catholic politicians, over the past decades. Liberals have started to drift further and further away from traditional moral values. There are even many people who saw, and still see, Pope Francis as a pope who will mercifully cast off the Church's strict moral rules and teachings, and justify the radical agenda, some of which has become more mainstream already, of the left. For instance, the traditional model of marriage as between a man and a woman is fading away. Saving sex for marriage and keeping sex within marriage are fading away. 
sacrificing and murdering children in the womb is being viewed as a right rather than a heinous act. The key tenet of Catholicism that is often used to sway Catholics away from their traditional morals is mercy. There's a notion that if Catholics really cared about others, they would let them do what they want, what makes them happy. After all, it's not really hurting them, right? It can be easy to manipulate other people by tugging on their heartstrings. But faith is not a matter of the heart. Faith is a matter of belief, which is a matter of the mind. We do not feel God's presence so much as we believe God's presence. We do not feel God's truth so much as we understand and assent to God's truth. As Pope Benedict XVI wrote in his encyclical Caritas in Veritate, only in truth does charity shine forth. Only in truth can charity be authentically lived. Truth is the light that gives meaning and value to charity. That light is both the light of reason and the light of faith, through which the intellect attains to the natural and supernatural truth of charity. It grasps its meaning as gift, acceptance, and communion. Without truth, charity degenerates into sentimentality. Love becomes an empty shell to be filled in an arbitrary way. In a culture without truth, this is the fatal risk facing love. It falls prey to contingent subjective emotions and opinions. The word love is abused and distorted to the point where it comes to mean the opposite. Truth frees charity from the constraints of an emotionalism that deprives it of relational and social content, content, content and of a fideism that deprives it of human and universal breathing space. That's from paragraph number three. In all things, we must, we must approach God, ourselves, and others with charity, with love. Let's work to remember that charity is an act in tandem of the heart and of the mind. I hope you have a wonderful day. Please pray for me. Know that I am praying for you. God bless.